spoken maybe. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream at that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft a masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steen. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label all one word spoken label dot bandcamp dot com on bandcamp it is set as pay what you want so you are entitled if you wish you can download it or stream it for nothing but if you throw me a couple of pennies my way it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs for this podcast enjoy Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house on a wet and horrible night on a Friday. So I'm back on Zoom again today and I've got a special guest, a poet today. This lady I'm talking to has been recommended to me and I love recommendations. <laughs> Leanne, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are and where you come from and what legend is creative path. We'll take it from there. Hi guys, my name's Lena, Lena Bachelor. I live in the beautiful city of Worcester, although originally I was born in London. Um, I've lived in Worcester for about 27, 28 years now, so it, it's wow. definitely, definitely my home. Um, oh, yeah. It's just, it's majestic, it has history, it has nature, and one of the things I adore doing is going on road trips around the country, so... So easy, hop in a car and just go anywhere around the country. Brilliant. Brilliant. I've been through through your way because I was Mm -hmm. driving down to London once and we went down that way and the scenic tour and the car broke down. (laughs) That's how I remember it. (laughs) I've been very nice, man. It was a long time ago. Yeah, that's that's not a nice nice association. (laughs) It is what it is with me. So, and when I was younger, I used to these other people, right? Can't drive back and drive people at the wall. <laughs> Usually with cars breaking down. <laughs> but um, obviously back to you then, obviously, seriously. 
I know you started writing as a teenager, didn't you? So that's right. I, yeah, I was probably started properly when I was around about 16, 17 years old. Um, just because it was a release. I had a choice as a teenager, as many do. I could punch holes in the wall, for mm. which I'd probably get kicked up by my parents. Or I could write on pieces of paper and rant at the world and say how angry or sad or annoyed I was by life. And I just kept it. I don't know why, but I kept every single piece of paper, every scrap of notebook, and I still have them today. Oh, I've got them as well. I've got mm. like a bar. I started writing when I was about 11, 10 or 11. And I've got those very early pieces in hardback like late five books. And I'm Have sure you ever that... them? Yes, they were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what were yours like back then? Were they pretty full of teenage cliches? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was actually as I was um, typing them up to try and save them. So I was typing them up on the computer. I actually realised that I had a theme going from an early age, sort of a, a an idea of my own thoughts on sort of life and politics and war. Mm. And that evolved and developed over time. I watched myself grow through typing up these poems. So that, that's where the idea for the first collection came from. Ah, right, yeah. I was going to ask you about your books, obviously, then, but I said it's like, is I can know you've done three books to date, so I'm yeah. going to check, check what order they're about in book. Well, do you want, should we talk about your three books then? Because obviously, obviously, if you're going to want to talk about today anyway. <laughs> so uh, your first book, uh, okay, I'll let you go in order, okay? Tell us about your first book. I don't know what they are. I don't know which one came up first. <laughs> okay, well, the first book's called A Tune With No Name. Um, I don't know why it's called that. I describe my process of writing and thinking as having thought hamsters that squirrel about inside my brain. And every now and then, one falls off a treadmill. I try and run and catch up with it. And hey, presto, it's come with a title or a poem or a line. So that was a tune with no name. Um, the artwork on the cover was done by a very talented lady who now lives in Cannock, a friend of mine called Dana Norton. And she's actually an outer two artist. Her artwork is incredible. That's the a really good cover. It's a really good cover she did there as well, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, the second book is um, with Summer by My Side, The Roundabout of Love. Whenever I tell anyone I've written a book of love poetry, they go, oh, that's sweet, that's soppy, that's sappy. No, read the poems. They're not, they're anything but. It's, it's the dark side as well as the bright side of relationships. It's the raw emotion, the real nature of relationships oh, yeah. throughout. You'd, you'd go on with partner Amanda because she's done a book called Poetry Book. Her first poetry book was called Love Dates and Other Nightmares. Well, <laughs> I think that you two were part of it, go on the same line there, definitely with that. So. Yeah, yeah, I think we'd have a lot to talk about. <laughs> did, did you find it, obviously, between your, we'll look at the camera, we're going to compare us all, compare all three books, but did you find that the construction of the second book varied a lot from the first book? Um, yeah, it was a different process. I don't, again, I don't know why it was a two-year gap. There's, for some reason, there's been a two-year gap between each of the books, and I just felt it was time to do another one. What am I going to do it on? I think because I was more aware of what I was doing, I found it easier. But apart from that, no, it was, yeah, it was a different experience, a different journey. I know, one. Mike, the, the books I've done, I've done four books today, and it took me five years to do the second book. So... And I'm always a believer in books. Each book is a journey or it's a different language of itself. And I think sometimes you've got to find the language of the second book. And 
sometimes it comes quick, sometimes it doesn't come quick. But I mean, yeah. in your case, two years is probably a good steady pattern anyway. So, and obviously that brings us up to your third current book, doesn't it, last year? Yeah, it was launched last year. It's called Under the Stones. Um, and it's a look at society, all those dark corners that we want to ignore. We think we're better than some of the actions we have actually taken as human beings. And also some of the anniversaries that are very tragic in our history. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that history should never be ignored or forgotten. We, we need to learn from it. Um, so it's, it's there as a reminder. So that's yeah. a third um, and there's two more in the planning, in the pipeline. Oh, not oh, you don't get, you're not going just one now. You've got two at once here. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Like I've already planned, um, which actually isn't going to be poetry. Oh. Now, are we getting exclusive here? Oh. <laughs> nearly. Nearly. Um, a couple of close people know what I'm thinking. Mm. Um, but I do also write flash fiction and prose ah. So you're going on the so, flash fiction side here, so you mean lured over to the dark side of flash fiction. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting you say that. One of the groups that I perform for, which tends to veer to that side of writing, is called 42 Worcester. It's an alternative genre spoken word group in the Midlands. We believe it might be one of the only ones in the UK. And it's sci-fi, gothic, horror, fantasy, so very much on the dark side, yes. Oh, now obviously that's obviously must be a regular topic you like writing around then, don't you? So I'm guessing that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have any sort of favourite writers on that side of it? you like reading generally anyway? Or? Yeah, James Herbert, Sean Hudson, Peter James, they're, they're my favourite authors. The nice comedy stuff, basically. Yeah, nice and light. Well, as a child, I grew, grew up reading my father's books and he had an amazing collection of every single Doc Smith, Asimov and Robert Heinlein sci-fi books. Oh, my and dad's like that. My yeah. dad's got a massive collection of Heinlein books he has. They're and, brilliant. Yeah, some of them are harder to read than others, that's for sure. I can yeah. remember, um, what was it now? Uh, time enough for love was there. I remember that one made about a thousand pages, and it was that was quite a hard book to read. That one, yeah, that that was my childhood. That's what I grew up reading, and yeah. then I moved into the horror. Um, now I tend to read a lot of historical books just because I love history. It, it very much depends on my mood, which one I'm reading. Yeah, that's the best way. Best way. Like I'm always a believer. I jump around. I read all kinds of things and shit. I'm about to start a big non-fiction book at the moment on. Um, Howard Hughes, so from the 1940s, Hollywood. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I mean, you always got to think as a, as a writer, I want your, your opinion is, as Amanda's, Amanda's opinion is, as a writer, you've got to be a good reader anyway. I think you, she said you've got to be reading, reading much more than you actually write. So I agree, totally. I, I think you have to enjoy delving into that escape, losing yourself in the pages and into that different world. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, what I'm interested in learning about is you as well. As I know you're a performer as well, aren't you? So, and you first started performing, was it just over six years ago, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and actually, bizarrely, my first performance wasn't with spoken word. It was actually with musical theatre and singing. Oh, right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I joined a vocal group in Worcester. Um, it's called Voices Unlimited. Um, just a friend of mine had, was doing it. She was having great fun persuaded me to go along, did not expect to actually do an audition in front of 80 people, never having sung in my life. 
And 12 weeks later, I joined them for a premiere where they performed Jesus Christ Superstar at Gloucester oh. Cathedral. Oh, wow. Orchestra. And um, John Moses from the West End. Wow. That's, now, that, is a baptiz- <laughs> that is a baptism of fire, if nothing else, isn't it? So. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So wow. with them and also Rock Choir in Worcester, I've done that. Um, we've recorded a single at Abbey Road. I've sung at Wembley. So that's where my love of performing came from. Right. Um, I've also been with the local um, Worcester Opera, Operatic and Dramatic Society, uh, about four years ago, and we did Sunset Boulevard in the local theatre. You're a busy lady, you aren't you? That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. So, what are you going to tell me next? Then, what are you going to tell me next? And you're from to the what tribute rock band as well as all of you. I'm going to be quite on my plans for that. <laughs> I was, uh, oh, I was, I was winding you up. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually right. One of my plans as Worcestershire Poet Laureate is um, to write a performance piece that won't just include poetry. I don't believe poetry is a standalone art form. It's everything. Um, So I'm looking at a piece which will involve poetry and music. It's going to be on the theme of basically an SOS for the world. And let's bring back humanity and community. And I want local schools to get involved. So they will interpret the music and write the dance scenes themselves. The local art and DT students will get involved and design the sets. I know the music I want to involve and I'm speaking to people to get their permission to use it. I can't say more. Oh, fantastic. I was winding up, I was expecting to answer that then. <laughs> but you get, you get used to it after a while. Yeah. Now, yeah. I was, I was going to come on to next about the Poet Laureate things. Also, I want to leave people in that slowly. But obviously, I know you've only just you've just got the just got the job if that's the right word for it. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that process, because I'm quite interested in learning. Are you the first poet laureate of Worcestershire, or has there been people before you? No, I'm the tenth. Ah, the tenth. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out the way because I'm with. I'm hundreds of miles away. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how did you first find out about this, and what made you want to apply for it? Well, through, um, through my other performing, through singing, I was aware in those groups there were um, poets and spoken word performers um, who persuaded me to do something my poetry. And it's through those groups I became aware that there was a poet laureate in the county. Um, this year, the theme particularly resonated with me. So basically what happens each year, they invite poets to write on a theme, Mm. uh, one poem, and then another poem that's a free choice, as well as a short remit of what they'd like to do with the role. The theme this year was masks. One of the things I love about English language is it interpreted in so many different ways and everybody had a different take on the theme. Cool. So is it, how long does the post last for them? It's for a year. Um, Obviously, this year's selection was delayed slightly, thanks to this wonderful virus that's going around the world. Um, So it will actually be to about June next year. Um, But that won't be the end of me. I intend to be very involved on the scene and keep going. Cool. Now, what is is there any other plans you can reveal yet for Poet Laureate? What are you going to do? Absolutely. So I've already mentioned the performance piece, which I'd like to do. Um, I'm also working on a static installation in Worcester, which I hope will be opened in the spring. 
which will involve artwork from artists. I've worked as um, a collaborator with artists on a couple of events where we do a call and response. So the artist produces a piece of work and I write a poem or I write a poem, they produce a piece of artwork. Um, and so I'm going to involve artwork, photographs, sound, scent, light in a standalone installation which people can walk through and just immerse themselves. And it'll be on the same kind of theme as the performance piece. You know, the world's fractured and broken, but we're going to fix it. You know, we, you're going to have your ways. You'll be here helping to heal everything, and basically, won't you? So, the words for me do heal. They heal. They offer solace and comfort. I use my poetry a lot at different um, charity events. So, cool. yeah, so mental health, um, Alzheimer's, homelessness, all of those kinds of events I've, I've helped out. Um, and at the end of a tenure, I have to have a collection of poems ready to be published. Um, so that's the second book that will be coming out next year. Right. So it's, it's in other words that you're speeding up then, basically. Aren't you? It's not a two-year yeah, process here then. So it's definitely going to be one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I'm also planning to do a calendar, a poetry calendar for next year, um, which will raise funds for a particular organisation for mental health. Um, my eldest son is in the Remi in the British Army. Um, mental health in the forces really needs a lot of support right now. So. Yeah, no, I agree with that straight away. I've, I've heard stories because I know my sister's got friends that have been in the army and I've heard stories. That's where I put it to you. So I agree with you completely on that one. So no, excellent stuff. It sounds like you're going to... I back last year. Mm. Uh, and when he came back, he told me I was heartbroken. The year he was in Iraq, there were 71 British soldiers who committed suicide. Oh, God, grief. And it just shows that. They, they, they don't say that sort of thing out in the press. I've never heard that before. It doesn't surprise well, me. He decided to w run the Worcester Half Marathon carrying one pound weight for each of those soldiers. Oof, good grief. One pound weight in full British military armour. And he ran 30. All I'll say about that one is I bet he was sore the next day after that. So respect to him, mind you. <laughs> it's not the first time he's done that. He's um, also done, done a similar thing with um, weights for National Deaf Children Society. Um, again, another cause very close to our family. Um, and he ran carrying 45 pound weight for the 45,000 deaf children that are helped by the charity. Wow, yeah. So, he's good. Yeah, yeah I can, I can see where he gets his, gets his campaign from you and Stratway because that project has got definitely so. <laughs> now, obviously, I want, I want to, a few more things I want to learn about tech. So, obviously, I want to get a few more things to ask you about. Um, I want to know, first of all, what was your first experience like of spoken word performance? Because it's like, I know what mine first one was like. Mine was dreadful because I was on stage like a shaking leaf. I was absolutely terrified. Were you like that yourself then, were you, in your first one? Yeah, and uh, bizarrely, I actually get like that every time I perform. Oh, I get really? that. Yeah, I get the nerves and I get the the shaking more so when it, once I've finished performing, I come down and I'm actually physically shaking and thinking, oh, I've really done that. And it's bizarre because I'm not doing it because I want people to like me. I actually don't mind if people don't like what I do. It's more important that they're listening and then talking amongst themselves or with other people and connecting and making that connection because we're in danger of living a very isolated life, a very isolated society. Yeah, I think we are even more now than with the virus going around at the moment. And as, as you said off mic before, poets like us, us two, for example, mm -hmm. we're 
you've got to keep people aware. It's not the case. There is more to life than that, so and I agree with you completely. So I want to know about as well, obviously. Have you performed at any un- unusual venues yet, or any unusual gigs that you can remember all the time? Um, well, I would say performing at Gloucester Cathedral was pretty unusual. It, you always wow. Feel wow. Naughty. You feel naughty because you know, you, you're singing and dancing and being quite irreverent because of the nature of a stage play. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that was unusual. Um, as I explained earlier, you know, 42 Worcester, when we meet in the real world, um, one of the venues we tend to meet at is a very old, reputedly haunted um, pub in Worcester. So it's about 17th century pub. So oh, it's so atmospheric. It's lovely. I mean, I've performed in the grounds of a chateau. <laughs> no, brilliant, brilliant. I've got done a couple of churches and stuff myself, certainly. So, and, and I did one over to um, I was on tour in Ireland with them band. I did a solo gig, and this this will make you laugh. I'll talk about digressing a bit. But I remember so we got I got asked to do a, a gig at a small Irish school in Southern Ireland. Last one, my last band one, and the guys came along to watch me. I said, "Oh," said they said, "Oh, we would have been told Andrew, we've had twenty kids here probably for you." <laughs> 1400 and remember that they bought in oh, 10 di- <laughs> they bought in 10 different schools oh good grief <laughs> I walked in about oh I'm not going to repeat the words I said on the breath I'm sure you'd have been land sanging oh. me wouldn't you <laughs> oh dear that was good fun I was, that was, I was I don't drink nowadays but that night I, <laughs> I, deserved I, can, I, I think you deserved it that night wow oh, maybe money that one for sure <laughs> No, I'm not on that scale yet. I say yet because I just don't know what's going to come around the corner. So. No, you don't. I think when you do not probably that polarity like you have now, you, it's going to wonder. I, I'll never use the word open doors, I think it doesn't, but it gives you opportunities to have to push yourself as a writer all the time. And that's why. And I'd be interested to talk to you in like a year's time and see how your writing's developed over that because. Yeah. Do, do you anticipate your writing's going to be? probably jumping all kinds of different directions isn't it it does absolutely and it always does um yeah it's as i explained to the um workshop i was doing today which is my first one very scary standing in front of 10 year 12 english literature students thank you very much um (laughs) and as i explained to them for me language is organic it's always growing it's always developing and so, so is my writing i never wrote flash fiction or prose poems before I started doing this. Um, so my writing's definitely changed. What I write, how I write, and I'm actually looking forward to that process. I'm also um, part of the Worcester Writer Circle, and we sort of critique and encourage our members and have writing prompts. So we develop and grow a lot that way as well. So yeah, it, it's interesting. I do like looking back at what I've wrote. Sometimes I look back and think, what on earth was I writing? Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes I might say to myself, what was I drinking? <laughs> well, um, yes, yeah, that too. <laughs> no, I don't really drink nowadays, but I know what some stuff I like when I used to drink was. I used to, I used to look at some stuff that I had to get, right, okay. I don't, want, I don't know why I wrote that, and I'm struggling, <laughs> I'm struggling to read it. <laughs> Especially if you read some of the classic poets and then you realise what their lives were like and some of the habits they had. You can see why there were some of these epic poems. You know. 
Paradise Lost and Genghis Khan. Yeah. Yeah. You, you couldn't write those straight. No, I Great know. Great poet couldn't write them straight. Exactly. You need a glass, good glass of wine or two of it, definitely. So, what I want to ask you about very quickly, obviously, before we go, what are, what are two other topics we want to cover up really is have you found over lockdown then? Have you actually um, changed a lot the way you do a lot of your gigs and everything at the moment? And it's because we're in Manchester, we've been on top of lockdown since March, and there's absolutely nothing going on there, has it? We would have been, had to only have that do with it online. Is that what you're doing right yourself at the moment, is it? Or? Yeah, all of the um, spoken word events have moved online via Zoom. Um, and actually, that's been great because our audience base has widened. A lot of people who previously have sent in apologies because they can't get to us, whether it's sort of transport or distance or work, they've been able to get to us. So that, that, it's actually been wonderful. Now, something I'm looking to promote and keep going when we get back into the live world, there's got to be a way to live stream events or record events and keep making these accessible for everybody. Um, I think so. I think so as well with that because it's yeah. like I, I, I cover and cover on the night myself and mm. we, we were absolutely packed out in this tiny little venue we were. As soon as we got online, we, we up to two nights a month. We're back down to one now because I'm back in work all the time. Mm. It's like, but we certainly want to, when things get back to normal, keep them one a month ourselves. Because yeah. you do, you're getting people coming in from, I don't, I don't know what you've had, but I've been to venues in Zoom here in Manchester where we have people coming in from Nigeria and I've, I've been talking to a Russian poet as well. Yeah, well, I did last night at um, Mel's book launch. There was a gentleman there from America. Um, I <laughs> accidentally um, ended up performing in America um, via Zoom. I, I saw a tweet from uh, a group called The Drunken Mag, um, and they were looking for two people to take part in their first sort of live Zoom event. So I was like, yeah, I'm up for that. I'll, I'll join you. I'll support you. They sent me all the details and it was on a Friday night, seven o'clock. I thought, yeah, absolutely great. Then I looked at the details the night before and realized it was 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 2.30 oh. a.m. Saturday morning. Oh, dear. Oh. I, I, did. I did it. But yeah, I've, I've had been involved in events where we have, at that moment in time, had people from the UK, US, Poland, Finland, Germany, and Trinidad, all at the same time. Fantastic. No, it's great, because like, unless you've done it, when you do that sort of thing, unless you hear other people, start, other countries start writing, I mean, you get something out of it anyway. I think as writers, it's been a great education, because you hear stuff like that all the time, so. Mm. I've got something coming up from some writers in Hawaii, would you believe? Wow. <laughs> I don't know what they're like yet, so I've got to look into that one, so. Which no, is brilliant. It's it's great to be able to do that. And I'm finding that the barriers and the myths about poetry and poets are being broken down. Previously, people thought that was something that the so-called elite did or poetry lived on dusty bookshelves. And that's not the case at all. Um, and I did a little experiment when we went into lockdown. I started posting poems in the flat I live in, in the communal area, where you, as you walk in. So just little, little poems of hope. Brilliant. Um, and some of the neighbours who didn't know me, I didn't put my name on them, they started sharing them out on Instagram because it actually meant something to them. And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. Everybody yes. has a poem within them. It doesn't matter if it's just a word or a few lines. Everybody has that. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. I agree completely with that one. And I've been using a lot. Like, I do love using Instagram and stuff. Like, I think it's a great tool. It's really small, tiny little poems. Yeah. That said, it's. I, what other platforms do you like using? Because obviously, like, um, I know I've, I know you through Twitter and Facebook, but didn't you have an Instagram account? So. Yeah. So I have an Instagram account which is Pixie Muse Poetry. Um, I also now have a YouTube channel, and so I'm starting to record. A number of my poems up there with videos and prompts one of the reasons for doing it via youtube other than obviously sharing it out to a wider audience is i'm very aware that spoken words great if you can hear it um my youngest daughter actually is very hard of hearing so spoken words are difficult for her they're a challenge i have friends who are partially sighted so reading off the page Again, it's a challenge. So with my YouTube channel and the videos I record, I combine the two. So you have the oh, music, yeah. but you also have the words going through in time with the spoken word. So it makes it more accessible and people can replay them over and over. And I do find having the words spoken, having a poem spoken, even by somebody else, it adds a depth and it changes the mood and the ambience to the poem. Brilliant. No, that's no, great idea. I'm firm believing that's what I think you have. What I can say, if you're a great fit for the poet laureate, you're area because you want to make it accessible to everybody. That's was great. Now, you is there another website as well? I was going to ask you, about, is there any other people where can people find your work otherwise? I know you've got a website, haven't you? So, so I have a website which is www.pixiemuse.wordpress.com. Said on Instagram, I'm Pixiemuse Poetry, Twitter, I am at pixie underscore dragonfly. On Facebook, I am Pixie Muse Poetry and Prose. And you also got your. I've also found your page on Amazon as well, but it's your free books as yes, well. People want to go on there as well. See, there's nothing I can't do. I'm going to have good editor oh, useless <laughs> information on people. <laughs> I think you need a Sherlock Holmes hat. You're a detective. Oh, I'm. I don't. I don't I'm hunting them very carefully. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, seriously, that's all the questions now. So what we'll do? We'll take a quick break. And let you get compared, compared, get prepared. <laughs> you tell them, tell, tell them, tired. I've been up too late, too long today. So, what a quick break. Let you get prepared. And we're back in two minutes, everybody. And you're going to read out a couple of poems for us. Okay. Fantastic. And you hang around. See you all soon, guys. Stay safe. Hi, guys. The part of the podcast I like now. I can relax now. Over to you, my friend, for a couple of poems. <laughs> okay. So, the first poem I'm going to read to you is called Hangover. And this was written during the lockdown and it shows my worries that we are not always aware of what we're doing to our world. We thought we were invincible. We were the prime species after all, but we left our detritus on the surface in the DNA of our lives and paid the price. The moons shone above us still unexplored, derided, in the dark. We were enlightened, after all. Stars shone brighter now, the skies were clearer, yet still we could not see. Neither the light that now shone for us because of our isolation, nor the future that we had created in blindness. We were superiority destroyed by arrogance, after all. The reset pressed not by our hand, 
the technological master race, the reset pressed by nature, that which should be respected, not thwarted. We paid the price, the hangover of materialistic envisions and greed. We were, but are no more. That ended great stuff. But what what made you write that point then? Was it? Was it I know you were in lockdown. Was it just a reaction to your reaction to things in lockdown? Was it for you? Yeah, not so much a reaction to during lockdown, but the fact that during lockdown we were given a fantastic opportunity to actually stop and reflect and pause. Some people started to realise what was really important in their lives, what was essential, as opposed to all the superfluous stuff that we had gathered and yet some people still weren't listening still weren't being aware of that and that worries me yeah no i understand completely like it was um we got first went to lockdown i got basically undiabetic i wasn't allowed to leave the flat really and most of the poems i was writing like me looking out the window looking at nature being like nature's looking at me with a big laugh and saying oh <laughs> like that yeah no brilliant no i get it completely with that so okay you. Number two. So this poem was actually inspired by a friend of mine um, who described my personality once as being a cool glass of water. I don't think this person knows me very well. It's an unusual comparison. It's yeah, very unusual. Um, and yeah, I think because I tend often not to flap too much in stressful situations, I tend to get through them and then I panic. And he dared me to use this in a poem. So I use it as a title, Cool Glass of Water. Let not the breath of my presence ripple upon the mirror of your existence. Rather, let it suffuse into the well of your soul. Let not the whisper of my caress give rise to goosebumps upon your skin. Rather, Allow the intimate aurora to fire within synapses awaiting their resurrection. Gaze upon the stillness of the liquids held in the clear glass and imbue their essence to quench your thirst for desire. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> One of my shorter ones. <laughs> <laughs> what did your friend think to that? I mean, you did, I presume you showed him that piece. I did. Um, I showed it to him before I published it or read it out anywhere. And yeah, he really liked it. He was quite surprised at my interpretation. <laughs> I think that's what's good for writing some of the people expect to do something like that. You can go off the tangent and completely catch them out. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. I'll enjoy <laughs> that. Okay. Well, let, not let you pause your breath then. Straight yeah. on to number three. Okay. <laughs> Cruel task by satire. <laughs> <laughs> so number three was published... Uh, online by Dear Reader, which is a wonderful Facebook group run by Charlie Barnes, who was my predecessor. She was the Worcestershire, Worcestershire Poet Laureate 2019-2020. Um, and this was written at a time when the lockdown restrictions were just starting to ease and we were allowed to go out, enjoy a bit more freedom, and the weather was lovely, but some people were still a bit cautious. So this is called Easy peace in uneasy times. Today, I walked. Riverside paths that led through and past my fantasy escape into reality. 
broken exhaust fumes and fractured conversations, whispers of promises, breaths of sunshine glinting across currents, watery intrusions welcomed within my peace. Gulls called as a dazzling elegance of swans skimmed to the cathedral steps, promised food in return for the sustenance of watching a beauty still existing. Shedded feathers bobbed along the river, forming cirrus clouds atop the wavelets. Scents played peekaboo, tickling noses and faces with fragrant hints of summer emerging in the musical notes suffusing through the earphones, catching the rhythm of my breath. Smiles were nodded as the shackles withered, the cautious stepping aside with apology, still afraid to taste the freedom on offer. The smorgasbord of fear still laid out on the tables of a misled populace. We were offered a reassured safety, protection. We received the darkness of uncertainty. Yet, I feel that clouds are lifting. Peace is calling. Hope more contagious than this infection. So, today I walked and paused along the paths of fantasy to welcome a new reality. Yeah, got that completely there. Love the fact that like, I felt like you're on a journey on that piece. Then, like, mm. At the end of it, you got like stepping into that. It's almost like you opened up the door at the end of it and just went straight out into the world again. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm very lucky. I live right next to the Severn River. and It's a beautiful walk from my flat up into town by the cathedral and back. Oh, brilliant. Where we are, because it contrasts to you, is we live in the back of a little old cricket, non league cricket ground. Oh, when yeah. I'm at, sometimes, I can't remember less now, the weather's rubbish now, but sometimes when we finish work, I go and disappear on the back of there for a bit at my home. <laughs> but we live like a bit in the Ashton, Ashton River ourselves and got a big forest near us. It's great. You just, you just you step into things like that, you just I can disappear, can't you? Really. you lose yourself. It's wonderful. Right, we're on to the big finale now, aren't we? Yeah, the big finale of a very small poem. Um, <laughs> Anticlimax time then. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully not. I, I hope you enjoy this one. It, I'm sure I will. It's a relatively new one. It's one I wrote a couple of months ago, but had it been written two, three years ago, it would have gone into my collection of love poetry. So it gives you a taste of the kind of poems that are in that book. Really? It's called interminable waiting of daydreams. The calling tunes to strum our nerves, midsummer's echoes for our dance, languished caress, yearned and missed, all held in the promise of a whispered kiss. Time's ghost haunts our delay, moments of choice, held at arm's bay for the intrusion of necessity to our day. Dancing calligraphy of fingertips, songs sung as my lips rise to your embrace, chakras of a third eye blue, recalling the eve that I first sipped and stepped into another's aura hue. Fantastic. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Right, that. yeah, there's tons of really good images in that. And I think I love what like, <laughs> your work was, and I'd reading this before we were chatting anyway, is that like, every word you get, there's not a word out of place to me there. And as poets sometimes, oh, 
you can you can make mistakes on them. No, it's beautiful, beautiful, and beautiful stuff. That so, you know, I'm looking forward to playing the session back later on to myself. Thank you again today. Oh, yeah, oh, actually, I don't like my voice. Oh yeah, oh really? Exactly. I, no. I find some writers are like that sometimes, where like it's you actually hate the sound of their own voice. I, it took me a long time to get used to it. I used to hate the hate. Hate the hearing myself reading back and forth. Oh, <laughs> what? I know, I know. And it doesn't help that the school where I work at, because obviously everything's gone into lockdown. We can't have open evenings. We can't have visits. We can't have tours. So our head teacher thought it's a wonderful idea, which was great. Send somebody round the site with a GoPro, record these tours, showing the school, which is lovely, and then use me as a voiceover. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see you. You're doing that. Head, 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 bang with the hands sometimes, definitely. <laughs> right, anyway, that's it for today, guys. Thank you, Lena. Been brilliant today. Hang around. I need a quick word off mic. Well, it's been a pleasure today. It's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this. So, and it's been a pleasure speaking to you too, Andy. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everybody, and stay sane if possible. And we'll see you all soon. Take care. Bye. Spoken, mate.